Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Hello and welcome to the Farm Traveler Podcast. This is episode 41. Our guest today is Matt Breckwald. So Matt is a fellow podcaster. He has, well, a bunch of podcasts. His first one is called Off Farm Income. Basically, what farmers can do to have some off-farm income, basically. what Anything, any profit that can come in, they can help their farm, they can help their business run. Uh, we're going to talk about all all the really cool stuff going on with off-farm income. His other podcasts like Corn Revolution, D&B Supply Show, and also a new one he has, which is called Microphone Money, which if you have a podcast, if you're interested in starting a podcast, this is a really cool podcast he's going to talk about, about what you can do to actually make some money with your podcast. So it's really neat. So this is a really neat conversation we're going to have with Matt talking about all things income related on a farm, what farmers can do, and more importantly, kind of why they have to have some off-farm income because spoiler alert, farming is not super lucrative. Really hope you enjoy it. Be sure to check out Matt's other podcasts. He will talk about them in the episode. Thanks for listening. Hope you enjoy it. All right. Well, welcome to the Farm Traveler podcast, Matt Brockwald. How are you doing? Great. Thank you so much for having me on, Trevor. I'm excited. Hey, hey, really excited to have you on. So you, I found you on the Off Farm Income podcast, but it sounds like you've got a bunch of podcasts going on, which we'll talk about later. But before we get started, tell us about kind of your background in agriculture, kind of what you, what you grew up doing and kind of what you're doing right now. All right. Uh, I grew up, let's see, late 70s, early 80s in a very, very tiny town called Valley Home in the San Joaquin Valley of California. And back then it was almost all rice farms and dairies around there. There was a little bit of walnut and almond farming going on. But uh, back then it was it was predominantly rice and dairies. And uh, then just a little ways out of town, it was beef cattle up in the foothills. And so I grew up all around that. I, uh, I worked at our, we had one store in town and that was it. In town, there was about probably 40 houses was all. And, uh, but the general store, everybody would, would come after work in the evenings and they'd, 
sit out back and have a beer and visit and kind of have town meetings every night. And I got to work at that store stocking the shelves in the evening. So I got exposed to all the farmers and all the ranchers and the dairymen that would come in and visit and learned a lot about ag just kind of through osmosis, but I actually did not grow up farming, just grew up in a farm town and, and got exposed to it. And uh, through that, and then uh, about my sophomore year of high school, my mom remarried uh, after my parents had split up. And uh, the gentleman that she got married to, he and his dad, they raised cattle. And I started working out there and got really interested in cattle. And after that, I went and went off to college, got a degree in agriculture and worked in a bunch of ranches and worked in row crops and the fertilizer industry, the ag chemical industry, all over the, all over the place. But I got an animal science degree. Always wanted to have cattle of my own. And uh, then after college, I just didn't have an ag job that was jumping out to me. So I had another interest and that was law enforcement. So I actually left agriculture for about the next 15 years and went and became a police officer. And I did that for about a decade and a half, got married during that time. And my wife was from Idaho. So we ended up moving up to Idaho and uh, did that for about 15 years and finally bought my own farm or our own farm, I should say, after about 20 years of waiting to, to get that done. And once we did that, uh, I got back into agriculture and raising cattle and pigs and goats and growing hay. And uh, then all of a sudden I realized, well, I don't want to go into the city anymore and work as a police officer and deal with city problems. I want to stay out here and just be rural. And I was trying to figure out how to do that. And I started an agricultural service business uh, that was called Idaho Gopher Control. And it was actually exterminating pocket gophers for farmers. And that went really well. And it taught me quite a bit about business and uh, just one day I found myself at the end of my driveway. I was texting with some buddies about football and uh, we did that for about 20 minutes. It was just a total waste of time. And I'm sitting there at the end of my driveway. And when we got done, I just had this epiphany, just this feeling kind of wash over me that all of a sudden what once I thought was impossible was actually happening to me. I was sitting on my own farm. I was self-employed because I had left my police job and, and became a full-time entrepreneur with that gopher extermination business. And, uh, I was so happy. I had accomplished this lifestyle, this rural farming and ranching lifestyle. And I was working in agriculture and I had my own farm and I, you know, I could, I could mess around for 20 minutes and nobody was missing me because I worked for myself. And I, I was just so content and so pleased with what I'd been able to do in transitioning my lifestyle. I decided that I wanted to try and help other people do the same thing. And I got inspired to start a podcast to try and show people what I had done and profile what other people had done. So if there was somebody else out there like me who at one point was dreaming of a lifestyle that they thought they could never achieve it, I wanted to show them, no, it is possible and give them some instruction on how to do it. And that's, that's how the podcast Off Farm Income was born. I called it Off Farm Income because my business, my entrepreneurship was my source of off farm income to support what I was doing on the farm. And uh, that's, that's how it all got started. That was five years ago this month. That's pretty good. That sounds like a really kind of neat way how you got into that. Um, and real quick, I just thought about this when you're talking about your gopher business. I yeah. saw some video on, on YouTube, I think, where they had like, you know, like the big Culligan water um, plastic jugs. They would find a gopher hole and then put it over the gopher hole filled with like, like halfway up with water. Uh -huh. It would flood the hole and the gopher would come back up, at, up into the, the Culligan thing. So did that uh -huh. really work for you? <laughs> well, that's not exactly <laughs> my method, but uh <laughs> I will tell you that probably worked for them one out of a hundred times because oh, wow. okay. we, we've, I've shoved, I've had many customers who shoved 
water hoses down gopher holes and they run the water for three hours and never saw it come out. So those gophers are pretty incredible. And the gophers we've got out here in Idaho would never fit into those water bottles are too big. So, um, that's, so I watch those videos. They're super entertaining, but, uh, not practical, not realistic. Okay. Yeah. I've always wondered how like realistic they were. So if we, luckily we don't have a big gopher problem here down in Florida. So if we ever go somewhere that has gophers, I will not be trying that. That's for sure. Yeah. You um, guys got snakes and iguanas. I'll take yeah, the gophers. We have so many iguanas, snakes, <laughs> everything. It's, it's nuts. Luckily we're up here in the panhandle, so we don't have a lot of iguanas, but I went down to visit my uncle and he lives in Miami and we uh -huh. drove down this one street by a canal and he was like, look at all the, the iguanas. There was about a hundred, but then like a square block. It was nuts. I think I was, was that in Miami beach? Yep. Yep. Miami beach. Yeah. I think I've been on the same bridge. We were just there in August. My, my wife and my daughter, we went down to the uh, podcast movement conference in Orlando and we spent a couple of days in Miami beach and we would walk across this one. It was like a canal. It's, it's not a canal, but it's, it's a waterway. Yeah. And there was this tree behind this business and it was just covered in iguanas. It was amazing. <laughs> That's so crazy. Now, it seems like a lot of people online are kind of growing with entrepreneurship. And I know somebody I follow close is Gary V. He's all about kind of uh -huh. entrepreneurship, kind of doing what you can to make some money and to hustle and all that stuff. So are there any like popular entrepreneurs out there that you kind of follow? Well, you know, that's, that's ranged over time. So my story goes back and by the way, Gary V, Gary Vaynerchuk is one. I read crush it years ago and, uh, and I really enjoy his stuff, but that's, it's, it's funny in my journey, how that has changed over time. So back, I always say it started about 2009, about 2009, I was working as a police officer in Boise, Idaho. We had a house in town. We did not have a farm and I was approaching, uh, I was going on Oh, I don't know, coming up on 20 years of wanting to have my own farm and I wasn't there yet. And uh, I, I had started getting, getting exposed to these people with these entrepreneurial lifestyles. And I was like, man, I, I want that lifestyle. And really, when I say the lifestyle I wanted, what I wanted was freedom. I wanted to wake up in the morning and I wanted to make my own decisions about what I was doing that day to the extent that's possible as an entrepreneur. And so I started, I started tuning into people and, and probably the first person that I really really tuned into and still to this day still listen to actually correspond with now uh, is Dan Miller uh, who had written a book called 48 days to the work you love and then he's got what he calls the 48 days internet radio show but that's his podcast is 48 days and he's been a big big inspiration you know I whenever I listen to somebody on a podcast who's got all these great ideas and tells you all these things that are possible I always I'm pretty skeptical and that's probably from being a police officer for 10 and a half years for 15 years. Um, and I, I'm pretty skeptical, but I have followed Dan's advice and the things he has, he has said is possible. I've been able to prove correct is it's really turned into a rich relationship and a nice relationship between, between he and I and, and um, some of the other members of his family. And I've been out to Franklin, Tennessee and actually gone to his place and met with him. And, and it was, it's been really cool, but he was the first one. Gary Vaynerchuk was definitely there as well. Um, when I was out exterminating gophers, which were long days out in farmer's fields, I was listening to podcasts constantly. And John Lee Dumas was another one. Um, uh, Pat Flynn is another one. Amy Porterfield is another one. I mean, I, I listened to everything I could get my hands on that would help me figure out how to make the lifestyle that I was envisioning come true. And so, but that's transitioned over time because 
I have, I've developed, you know, this has been going on since 2009 for me. And I've been a hundred percent self-employed since 2013 now. So that's six years. And I've been a full-time podcaster since 2013. So that is, uh, oh, not 2013, sorry, 2017. So that's two years now, two and a half years. And so those transitions, who I listen to and the type of information that I need is different than when I was first starting out, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, that does. That does. That really, that really makes sense. Yeah. It seems like a lot more people are getting more and more interested in kind of being their own boss and starting their own business and being entrepreneurs. So that's really cool. Now, I mean, you and I both know the answer to this, but why exactly do farmers need additional incomes? You mean like getting farm or starting your own farm is not super duper lucrative? <laughs> well, definitely. I, you know, if you look at the statistics uh, it, and it depends on what's going on with commodity prices, it depends on what's going on with input prices land prices and all the different variables that factor into this puzzle. But it, at any point in time between 80 and 90, 95% of all farmers in the United States, not just small farmers, but all farmers need some form of off farm income to support the household. And a lot of times that's going to be a spouse who's working full time while the other spouse is, is farming full time. And most of the time it's the husband farming and, and the wife who's, who's working the full time job, but not all the time. Um, but a lot of the, you know, health benefits come into that somebody with a full-time job, they can get health benefits for the entire family, which is a big deal. Um, or there's just not enough profit there left over to support the household. In my case, we're a small farm. Uh, we have 25 acres. We're involved in niche markets. Um, so, you know, for us to try and be able to make a profit on our farm, we have to direct market and do things that are that are niche related with our beef and with our pork and, and our goats and things like that. Um, but with that said, even though the farm itself is profitable, it's that profit that's left over. Profit doesn't necessarily mean prosperity. It's profitable, but there's not enough there to support the household. So my wife works off the farm and I still need to work off the farm as well because our farm is only about 15 miles away, 16 miles away from downtown Boise, Idaho. And anybody who's familiar with this area knows we're the fastest growing state in the entire country. And this is the fastest growing area of this state. And so our, our, our property prices are just through the roof. Now, luckily we bought this place at, at a very good time for us in terms of the purchase price. But even with that, uh, we both have to work to be able to make that payment on the place. And so um, we're just not in a situation because we're so close to a municipal area where um, the farm can cash flow itself and take care of itself. So I need some form of off-farm income. And I think for anybody who wants to go into this profession and actually purchase that land, uh, that's the reality most people are going to find themselves in. Gotcha. Yeah, that all kind of makes sense. Um, yeah, I didn't know that the, that Boise, the, the region you're in is kind of super duper, like kind of booming in terms of population growth. So that's really good. Um, yeah. So your your main podcast is Off-Farm Income. So What's some of the, what are some great guests that you've had on and some really good knowledge that you were kind of, that you've kind of told to farmers about what they can do to build more um, income off farms? So what's some of the best advice that you've kind of given them and some advice that's gotten a lot of really good feedback? Well, you know, I've had a wide variety of guests. The aforementioned Dan Miller uh, was a guest on my show and that was really, really cool. Um, a guest that most people wouldn't expect, but somebody who I'm a fan of that, uh, that I think has a really inspirational story, not from an agricultural perspective, but from an entrepreneurial perspective, is Adam Carolla. I actually had him on the show and I was on his show. 
Um, and that was really interesting just to, because there's a, there's a mindset that the entrepreneur has to have. Um, and, and just because you have a farm and you need off farm income, it does not automatically mean that entrepreneurship is the answer for you. But I think it is the, I think entrepreneurship gives people the best option, the best opportunity to actually be able to go out and start farming. And there's some reasons for that. But if you're, if you want to go out and you want to do what I did, and that is buy a farm and go and start farming. Um, I think I think really uh, being your own boss is the answer to that, and and uh, it's not it's not about money, but it's about uh, lifestyle and it's about location. And uh, in a lot of a lot of ways, I think there's no alternative to that. But we can talk about that if you want. But anyway, when it comes to when it comes to guests and when it comes to advice, um, you know, I've had some neat guests like that. And then I I have dug up, and I say dug up, I really have to dig to find some of the great guests that I've had on off farm income and I've had some guests on who they're just super, super inspiring. Matter of fact, I've got an episode coming out uh, and I don't know when you're going to air this one, Trevor, um, but I've got an episode coming out on December 6th and this guy was super inspirational. Uh, he, he's farming. They came up with a great direct marketing model that I had never thought of, but I, I may try to replicate myself. And then for off farm income, they, they've got oxen. And they go out to different festivals and places like that, and they get paid to bring their oxen and, and let people come look at oxen because who, who in the world has ever looked at an oxen? And, uh, you know, just stories like that of people who are innovative and they've got great advice and they've got great ways of doing things and, and they're making it work. Uh, you know, it's, it's just one of those things where it's just a matter of taking what they've figured out and being able to share that with other people. Well, there you go. Yeah, that all sounds like really good advice. I mean, it's all about kind of learning what you can and broadcasting that knowledge to a bunch of people. So not only that, you've also got a bunch of other podcasts if you want to talk about them. You've got like Corn Revolution, DMB Supply Show. So what all podcasts do you have and do you kind of work on and produce? Uh, well, I so two of them are my own. So Off Farm Income belongs to me. That's what I started with. And then I've got a brand new one called Microphone Money. That one is me. That's just me. No guest. Well, I shouldn't say no guests, but it is primarily a solo show uh, with no guests. But along the way, when I when I got started doing this, uh, I, I started off doing one episode a week on Fridays, and that would that would be inter interviewing uh, an entrepreneur who was using entrepreneurship to support. Uh, their farming endeavor. And then I learned about, uh, and I know that you're going to be familiar with this because you're a former FFA state officer. Do I remember that correctly? Yeah. Yeah. That's right here in Florida. Yep. Okay. So you'll be familiar with this, but I learned about the, uh, the supervised agricultural experiences that FFA students are required to do. And I learned that uh, close to about 50% of those are entrepreneurship related. And some of these FFA students are just starting absolutely fantastic businesses, just incredible businesses. So it was only about three or four months into my podcast that I decided to start interviewing and doing a second show every week with FFA students talking about those SAEs or those supervised agricultural experiences. And that grew and gained popularity. And then the National FFA found out what I was doing. And they have a satellite radio show called FFA Today that's produced out of Nashville, Tennessee. And they contacted me and asked me if they could start using my content on that show uh, in exchange for promoting my podcast. And so I said, yes, I actually went out there and I met with them and went to their studios and, and things like that. And, and so I said, yes, and they started promoting my podcast and using my content on their show. And then that relationship developed and then they offered to hire me as a freelancer 
to do other interviews for them for that show. And that gave me the idea that if, if they were willing to hire me as a freelancer to do this for them, then other people may be willing to do the same. And so when that happened, I reached out to a local farm and ranch retailer that's based in Caldwell, Idaho, which is about 25 miles away from my farm, uh, called DNB Supply. This is a store that I'd been shopping. I'd, I'd done an internship in this area when I was in college selling ag chemicals and had discovered the store back then. That was back in 1994. And uh, just a great store. They just have everything that anybody who's into agriculture would just be, they just, you can walk around in there and just look at stuff because it's just tools and it's, it's farm and ranch clothing, it's work clothing, it's feed, it's, it's salt blocks, it's panels, it's squeeze shoots. I mean, everything that, that somebody who's interested in ag uh, would be interested in. So I've always loved that store. And I thought, man, I could make a great show for this store because I can walk up and down the aisles and in every aisle I can find 10 episodes because there's something I'm interested in and I would love to know more about it in depth so I can interview somebody about how this thing works and we can turn that into an episode. So I contacted DNB and I actually left a voicemail and I invited their, their vice president who's in charge of marketing out to lunch and just said, Hey, I would love to make a podcast for you guys. I think we could make a great one. And I would, I want the chance to explain it to you. Can I buy you lunch? And I didn't get a call back. This was on a Friday, but I got a call back on Monday and he said, Hey, we, we want to talk to you about this idea. So I went in and I met with them and they said, when you called and left the message saying you wanted to make this podcast for us, we were in a meeting. We had decided to start a radio show and we were in a meeting trying to figure out how in the world we're going to find a host. And it was crazy. And so they ended up contracting with me. This is three years ago. And I started hosting that show, but it was also a radio show. So we released it as a radio show and a podcast and just talking about farming and ranching topics and what we call the Western lifestyle out here in, in Idaho and in Eastern Oregon. And so when that developed, I thought, well, if I can do this for the FFA and I can do this for I can do this for DNB Supply. I wonder if I can do it for anybody else. And then that led to an opportunity with Pioneer Seeds. And that's the Corn Revolution podcast, which we just finished uh, recording our second season of uh, just a couple weeks ago. And I think that we're up to two episodes on that second season now. And so I, I got hired and contracted with the host that show for Pioneer, which has been great. I uh, went out to Iowa and met with everybody at Pioneer's corporate headquarters and interviewed just some brilliant people I could barely keep black well, to say I could barely keep up with them is an overstatement I'm not able to keep up with them but I try uh, learning about about hybrid corn seed and everything they're doing to you know to make it make farmers have successful corn growing seasons every year and so that's kind of what I do now when I when I got started with the custom podcasting which is, is what I call it uh, I sold that gopher business and uh, just concentrated on being a farm broadcaster and an ag broadcaster and farming. And so I'm, I'm really lucky. That's what I get to do now. Man, that's perfect. You sound super busy when it comes to all the podcasts and all the great content you're making. And you brought up a really good point talking about FFA SAEs. So I, when I, I taught for two years, and that was one thing we pushed were SAEs. And they are not only just a fantastic learning opportunity for students, it can really help them figure out what they want to do for a career. I mean, they can make their own business, basically, or they can go into a career field just like their SAE that they're doing. Mm -hmm. And so it's such a really cool thing that the FFA has got to where it can prepare kids for making their own jobs or making the most of an entrepreneur of an entrepreneurial situation. So that's a really good point. And that's really cool that you're working with RFD TV. Anybody in FFA knows RFD TV. So yeah. 
That's super cool. Um, so I'm assuming that you were kind of self-taught when it came to podcasting, like equipment wise, recording, editing, and all that jazz. Where did you go to learn all that? Cause there's so much stuff and mm-hmm. so much advice about podcasting online. I went to Pat Flynn. Uh, I don't know. Go, if yeah. From, yeah. I don't know if you're familiar with smart passive income, but I had been listening to him uh, trying to figure out how I could get into this world that all these, these people seem to live in this magical world where they work from home and they had all this freedom and they, they podcasted for a living. And, and so I, he was one of the people I listened to and he put out a video series and let's see, I started this show in 2014. So, um, in the summer of 2014, I, my wife and I had talked it over and this helped a lot. I, I had had this crazy idea to start this gopher business. I had started it. I had proven to her that I could run a business, proven to her that I would put the work in. It wasn't just, you know, I, I wasn't just in a moment of frustration thinking I wanted to start my own business. So I'd proven to her that I was capable of starting a business and, and making it successful. So when I approached her and I said, Hey, I want to start a podcast and here's what I've got in mind. Here's my long-term goals. Uh, she was on board with that. So I actually bought uh, equipment. I bought a mixer and a mic and a digital recorder. And I went out and I bought a MacBook. Uh, we'd always just had really cheap, inexpensive PC laptops. They would get viruses within six months and you got a lot of data on them. They'd slow way down. And I was like, man, I can't have that happen again. So I went and bought a nice computer. I bought a MacBook. And I wanted it because it comes with GarageBand. And so I could edit on GarageBand. So those are the things I bought. And then Pat Flynn, and he still does, except he's improved it, had like an eight or 10 video series for free on the internet to show you how to podcast. And so for a week, I just told my wife and my daughter, hey, you're not going to see me this week in the evenings. And every evening, I came in and basically took a college class watching his videos. I, I sat down on my desk put his video up on YouTube, started watching it. And I took very detailed notes and I would pause it, catch up. And I took page after page after page after page of notes that were all in consecutive order. And then I just followed everything that I had written down and that helped me get it going, get it published, get it edited and all of that and get it, get it on iTunes and all of that. So completely taught by Pat Flynn for free, which is one of the beautiful things about being in this world is that all, all this content out there is free. You would think, you know, an old school way of thinking is if it's free, it's not worth anything, but that's not true. I've started a business and this is all I do now is podcast other than farming. And uh, I'm able to make my living podcasting and I haven't paid a dime for any of the education I got to get me going. Yeah. I love Pat Flynn. He's got a lot of really cool stuff out there. I actually did one of his free webinars a few weeks ago and he, he was kind of doing like how to build your online presence and gain followers. That was kind of the basis of the episode. And he was asking for examples. He was like, hey, tell me your podcast name and I'll look it up and give you some advice. And so mm. I would copy and paste, copy and paste, Farm Traveler Podcast, Farm Traveler Podcast. And when <laughs> he finally did it, he was like, oh, Farm Traveler Podcast, let's look this up. And he was like, oh man, you got a good logo. It looks like you have some good content. I was like, heck yes. I was so excited about it. Yeah, that's so, fun. Yeah, he's got a lot of really good advice about starting a podcast and all that good stuff. And yeah, so your 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 new one, microphone money. So this sounds like a lot of people are going to be interested in it, especially podcasters. And and like regardless if they're agriculture based or sports based or whatever, they're going to go and get mm-hmm. some real good content on how to turn your how to turn their podcast into like a money making machine, which is really cool. And I would love to learn more about that. So what's some what's some big advice that you have given li- listeners on microphone money, and what is what are some things you have planned for the future of that podcast? 
Well, just uh, to kind of frame it for you, you know, there's a lot there. There's one main model out there that you hear about when it comes to trying trying to turn podcasting into a business, and that that generally is to uh, to build up build up your listening base enough that you can get good advertising revenue, and it's based on what they call a CPM model. Um, you get paid per thousand downloads, a, a certain rate, and things like that. But really, I've been told. Uh, when you when you listen to the people that know, they say you you've got to have shows that get like ten thousand downloads per episode, and I've been told by other advertising firms in podcasting five thousand downloads per episode. Well, I'm nowhere close to that, but I've got really good advertising revenue on my show, um, and the way I've been able to do that is through having a niche in my podcast and and developing a really uh, devoted. Uh, devoted audience that that is there and and they're all in one demographic and that led me to developing my business because advertising was never my intention with my show my my intention with my show was always uh, to help me accomplish some things like being a nationwide expert in a certain small area of agriculture that was really the focus for me when I started the show and and to help people be able to do what I'd been able to do because it was such a good feeling that day when that kind of that kind of hit me. And so what microphone money does is it teaches people how to build a podcasting business the way I've done it, which nobody else is talking about doing. Um, I don't teach people to build a podcasting business based on advertising. And I don't teach them to build a podcast business based on number of downloads or something like that. What I'm teaching people to do is how to get started podcasting and how to position yourself in what I call your industry umbrella um, how to position yourself in such a manner that companies will hire you to create content for them as a podcaster, just like I've done with DNB Supply, what I've done with uh, Pioneer, and what I've done with other clients. Um, that's what I'm trying to teach people to do. For me, for me, the advertising on off-farm income is just kind of uh, it, it's very, very nice, and it's a total bonus, something I never expected. Um, but what I what I'm teaching people to do on that show is what can you do in the in the industry that you're passionate about. Uh, that will allow you to make a living behind a microphone at your own house or in your own studio talking about how can you do that? And I, and I can teach people how to do that. And uh, I, I truly believe, because when I, when I got started trying to become an entrepreneur, everything I was reading, everything I was hearing, they kept talking about find your passion, find your passion, find your passion. And I spent like two years banging my head against the wall going, what is my passion? Because I was convinced I could not start a successful business if it was not in my passion and I could never figure out what in the world that was. And I still, you know, that epiphany never really came to me. So I went to what I call plan B and I just started a business in agriculture that I thought would work. It, and certainly gopher extermination was not my passion, but it was a niche that I thought would work and it was in ag. And so I was like, this is what I'm going to do. And it turned out to work and that led me to the podcast and that led me to other things. And so what I've realized is that um, this whole concept of trying to find your passion and work in your passion, you know, you can't do that with conventional brick and mortar. It's, it's difficult to do necessarily, but custom podcasting is the one area where I think somebody right now, there's somebody out there somewhere right now, they probably don't listen to my show, uh, Off Farm Income, they're probably not ag-based, but they might have I don't even know. They might have an interest in Pokemon cards or whatever, and there's no business model to that, except if you can if you can niche that down to a really small level, and you start a podcast talking about that, you can build your reputation and your platform to a level 
that other people within that industry umbrella will now hire you to create content for them as a podcaster. And that's what I'm trying to teach people how to do is how I built this aspect of my business. That's really good advice. Yeah. I mean, whenever I first started, I thought that, you know, when you get an ad, you get um, a couple of money, you get the money's based on like per thousand downloads, like, like you were talking about. And I always thought it was just on based on one episode, but then I learned I joined a, a network and it's um, per thousand downloads in general across all of your episodes. So that kind of helped it out a whole lot. And our network's been helping out, helping us out a whole lot. So that's all really cool. Well, I can't wait. I, I'm subscribed to microphone money. I can't wait to listen to more content that you've got. I'm always willing to learn more about kind of podcasting and podcasts in general. So I'm really excited about that. Um, so Matt, one thing I like to ask everybody is their thoughts on the farmer consumer relationship. So you're in a cool okay. position. You are a farmer. You've interviewed farmers. You've got a bunch of podcasts geared towards farmers. So what do you think about the, the relationship right now? Do you think there, there's a huge bridge gap of communication there? Or do you think the communication gap's kind of closing? What do you think on the farmer consumer relationship? Well, I think we're doing better. Uh, in turn, you know, I think the impetus is on us as any of us in agriculture, whether you're a small farmer like me or you're a big production ag guy, I think the impetus is on us to communicate that message. Uh, otherwise, someone else is going to communicate it for us. And that's, you know, that's been true for years. Um, but I think we are doing better. Uh, but I think, um, you know, I don't know. There's a, there's a vocal minority out there that will bash agriculture that will say bad things whether it comes to meat consumption or uh, the use of uh, genetically modified stuff or chemicals or whatever that may be and and yeah certainly there's been there's been abuses in the past there's no denying that but there's there's always a bad actor or two in every industry when I was a police officer obviously there's bad police officers you know um, that does not define an entire industry and so I think it's important for for us to talk about it. And I think we are doing a better job. Uh, I think as, as we, as we get deeper into some of these revenue generating models, I think that will, that will pick it up as well. More people will be interested in it, but I'll, I'll tell you right now in agriculture and farming. And I was so glad when you reached out to me and to find your show, because I feel like uh, in podcasting, agriculture is really underrepresented. Uh, we don't have nearly enough shows and we need more. We need more people talking about ag. Uh, because if you like look at my show, I do a, a large number of shows about a very, very small topic on off-farm income. And so um, I've got a really tiny niche. There is a lot of room. There's a lot to talk about in agriculture, and there's just not enough people doing it. And I get it. I mean, there's not a lot of farmers that are going that, that farm full-time and are able to farm full-time. They're going to carve out the time to make a podcast. With me, I need some form of off-farm income to support my farming endeavor and I'm trying to be as creative uh, about that that gives me the best ability to run a great farm. And, and so for me, I, I've got a different driver than somebody who's already a full-time farmer. And they're, they're mostly worried about spreading a message so their industry doesn't get run down. Um, but um, so I think we're doing a better job, but, but I do think there's a lot of room uh, and we're underrepresented and there needs to be more of us doing it. Yeah, I totally agree. And that's a good point that, that we're kind of underrepresented when it comes to podcasts out there. I've learned more and more that the podcast industry is kind of booming. Everybody's getting the podcast. There's some Dolly Parton podcast out there that is going super viral. People are listening to that. And I mean, you mm -hmm. can look up like we were emailing back and forth about our fantasy football woes. And yeah. there, there's like dozens and dozens of fantasy football podcasts from experts to amateurs. And, right. But when it comes to agriculture, there's not a whole lot out there. And so I think the more and more people 
that kind of start making ag-related podcasts, whether they're a farmer or an entrepreneur or somebody removed from agriculture who wants to learn more. I think that's all really good advice. Um, and hopefully it can get kind of get our message out there that we need people to farm. We need people to kind of create agriculture commodities and we need consumers mm-hmm. to do their part too. Um, well, you know, the, the irony is the reason that podcasts are so great for farming and so great for agriculture is the same reason they're underrepresented. And that is that uh, the reason that, that podcasts are so great for an agricultural audience is because people in ag are out, they're in a tractor, they're feeding cattle, they're irrigating, they're driving a truck, they're busy, busy, busy. And so they can't consume blog posts, they can't consume magazines because they're working with their hands and they're out on the road and they're outdoors. But with a podcast, you can have your iPhone or whatever right in your pocket. You can be listening to it. But it's that it's that same level of business and working outdoors and being so busy that prohibits people in ag from taking the time to be able to sit down behind a microphone and create content like that because they're so busy. Whereas people that work in a conventional Monday through Friday, eight to five job, they've got a lot of free time in the evenings and on the weekends where they can pick something like this up. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you and I both know there's not a whole lot of off time when you're a farmer and you've got a big operation like that. I mean, we're seeing more and more people like go to Instagram or go to Facebook and Twitter, especially, um, to kind of share their message and share what they're what they've got doing on on a daily basis. So hopefully more and more people can start creating podcasts and listening to ag related podcasts. So that's for sure. Well, Matt, this has been really cool kind of talking about your podcast and your work and kind of everything you're doing right now. So you've got all the podcasts, um, off farm income, microphone money, and a bunch of others. But if people want to find you, where can they go to find you on Instagram or Facebook? Where can they go to follow you and see what you're up to? Uh, Facebook's great. I've got a, both Facebook and I am on Instagram. I haven't put much on there lately. Is that the one with the pictures? Uh, yeah, yeah. That's the one that okay. with the pictures. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm in my mid forties. So I'm a, you know, it all ranges, uh, but definitely Facebook. I've got a Facebook page called off farm income. I would love people to find me there, follow me there. Um, and then of course the website, which is offincome.com, And for microphone money, the website there is, um, custompodcasting.com. But yeah, I would love people to, to connect with me. I love hearing from listeners and, and uh, it would just be very, very pleased uh, if, if people are tuning in and hearing about my little niche in agriculture. That'd be awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I love checking out your podcast with Off Farm Income and Microphone Money and all your other really cool stuff. Well, Matt, it's been really cool, man. Thanks for being on. Uh, we'll talk to you soon and best of luck with all your podcasts. I know you're super busy, but I mean, they all sound great. The quality is fantastic. So keep up the good work. Well, Trevor, you're doing a great job, and I'm flattered you had me on your show. Thank you so much. Hey, well, thank you for being on. I appreciate it. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks so much for listening. Really hope you enjoyed Matt's conversation. It's really cool kind of learning about various ways farmers can make income off of their farm. So really neat. Anyway, check out Matt's other podcasts, you know, Off Farm Income, Corn Revolution, as well as his new one, Microphone Money. Don't forget, tell your friends about our podcast. Go to thefarmtraveler.com, spread our message, help bridge the gap between the farmers and the consumers. If you want, help support us on Patreon. Just go to patreon.com slash farmtraveler. Anyway, thanks so much for listening. Can't wait to bring you some more episodes in 2020. Hope you're all doing great. Hope you're, you know, kind of defeating or beating your New Year's resolutions. Anyway, thanks again. See you next week.